0: If all goes as planned um, I hope you are doing well out there I uh, hope you're staying at least somewhat entertained and sane In the craziness that is post-coronavirus uh, United States of America um, But, like I said, its uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good actually I, I'm starting to settle into this a little bit I don't know if you guys are But I'm getting a little used to seeing the streets emptier And seeing people out walking their dogs like every second of every day And all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? It is kind of weird. Um, it's gonna be weird when we go back to normal to see like traffic again. Like all of the, you know, you know the the negative aspects of our society that kind of were helped by the coronavirus for, for, for uh, you know temporarily, like traffic for for instance. Um, it's been nice to see that go away. I'm I'm kind of not looking forward to uh, there being traffic and commutes and stuff like that again. <laughs> um, but anyway uh yeah this 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 uh, this world is a it's a weird one that's for sure uh, anyway, we've talked enough about the coronavirus, I think up until this point, right so um I'm gonna go ahead and try to switch gears a little bit and uh, go into a talk about perspective um, now i I know I've talked about perspective before um, but I want to kind of look it up, do a definition, that kind of stuff like we usually do just to see what we can come up with in, in, a, in a more focused talk on the subject right um so perspective. It's the uh, art of drawing solid objects on a two-dimensional surface so as to give the right impression of their height, width, depth, and position in relation to each other when viewed from a particular point The perspective drawing. The second definition is a particular attitude toward a way of regarding something, a point of view. Most guidebook history is written from the editor's perspective, as an example. Okay, so these are both really helpful um, definitions, I think, because and you know this is kind of cool because next to the definition there's an image here um, I'm going to open it up here there's an image of like uh, artist renderings of architect architectural drawings and um, anyway we'll come back to that I, I like I just like this these pictures anyway um, perspective so I like both these definitions um, point I see come up in both the word "point," right, uh, come up in both both definitions. So there's some kind of similarity there. That's maybe distilling it down into the base perspective. In order to have a perspective, you have it, you have to view something from a certain point. Right is what it, is what both of those definitions are getting to. That perspective is granted when you place yourself in a point, in a specific position in time and space. You're then granted a perspective or you have a unique perspective because the only thing you have to do to change that perspective is to change the point you see you move the point where you're viewing it from and you change the perspective right pretty simple right um but you see this being applied both in kind of the more um what would the word be uh practical implementation kind of in drawing objects architecture that kind of stuff and then the more um Oh, I guess more artistic right? And this is the second definition is more practical, right? Um, but in the way you I- interact with people and the way you view people, that kind of stuff. <clears throat> now, the reason I bring it up is because I think, um, along with the ego, uh, an outsized ego tends to, to lend more credit to that individual perspective, uh, than is, uh, necessary, not necessary, but is, at, uh, uh, What's the word I'm trying to think of here? Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm I guess, a little slow to start this morning. Um, <clears throat> perspective. It, it, it. Man, I just brain farted, too. I just lost my complete train of thought there. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I am starting off really slow here. Um, not perspective, but only thing you have to do is change a point, right? And, and, and outside is ego. There we go. Okay, there we go. Uh, as your ego grows out of control, your uh, the view that you have of the value of your perspective grows out of control as well, right? So as you as you as you place yourself more in the ego, as you let that ego run things, you're going to start to feel like your way of viewing the world is the right way of viewing. The And you can probably ask yourself this question right now. I'm sure you've already experienced this feeling inside of yourself at some point, especially if you focus on the political arena, you're going to definitely notice this popping out, right? Um, This idea that, oh, the the opposition or, or the people that you would consider your political enemy just don't understand what I'm talking about because they don't, they haven't gleaned enough information. They're ignorant, essentially, right? They don't see it from my perspective because my perspective is obviously the right one, right? <laughs> Which is kind of the, kind of the perspective. That, that's the way we approach these, these political issues, at least. And so it's a little more obvious to illustrate what I'm talking about here, the ego's role in your perspective. Uh, now, I think we can probably get down to, like, more of the role of the ego a little later, but um, so often in life, uh, I think... So many of the conflicts we have, interpersonal conflicts, come from an an inability to interpret the same information in the same way. It's a product of our perspective, which in turn kind of makes it a product of your ego as well, right? Kind of tangentially. But let's focus on just the, you know, the, 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 the former. So... So often, I see people talking past each other, especially in the media, you know, and the entertainment shows you see on the news. Uh, Sorry for the computer noises. You know, especially on CNN and Fox News and MSNBC, all of the major news outlets, if you go watch... Uh, it's it's actually it's funny it, I think what happens in those news channels is what you have is people that their expressed job is to find people with opposite perspectives that have difficulty inherently viewing the, the opposition's perspective right so people that are already so set in their perspective that they're not going to change it either way they put two of those people in the same room and just let them go at each other right <laughs> unfortunately it's not that hard to find people like that um, oh next door you know what here's a little tan- uh, tangent everybody's on this next door app like telling people where the where the toilet paper is and stuff like that I, I kind of really i really appreciate the app you know what i mean but it's also kind of shows you just how power hungry so many people are like you have little like 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 Hierarchies developing in a next door app in a neighborhood, you know, like people that like spend all their time watching who's walking around the neighborhood or picking up their dog poop or whatever. And they literally like use that app as a way to feel powerful. Anyway, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to uh, leave that one there. Um, perspective difference, right? Uh, so often the, the perspectives that, that you see, you know, presented are not... <clears throat> Uh, the people you see presented that that defend perspectives defend them as if they are the only perspective to have, which is not true. There's actually unlimited perspectives you could take. You know, hypothetically, if you were to think about all of the different ways you could view, let's say, just let, let's let's take just like a building, for instance. Let's take something like, like like tangible. You know, take your house or something. How many different points in space and time could you stand and view that, that that house from? Almost unlimited, right? Now, would any of those points that you're viewing that house from be more correct or true than, than any other? No, they're all pieces of the same thing, right? They're all pieces of that house. Different ways of viewing that house. Now... <clears throat> And this is exactly the same thing that happens when you're talking about um, less tangible uh, tangible things like ideas right but it, it, it becomes more muddy because it's not you know you, you can't walk around the house and say, "Oh yeah, it is still the same house, you know just different angle of viewing it um, <clears throat> it's, it's more muddy when you talk about ideas and so what I think happens is people start to take or feel more justified in in um, in viewing their perspective as a panacea not only as a panacea but the right one right <clears throat> we set up this value we also set up the world as if it's something that can be viewed correctly you hear people do this all the time like I said on the news too you're, like, you're just not viewing things right or you, your perspective's off or <clears throat> they're raised wrong or whatever it is right and that assumes that there's a right way of viewing the world. And I don't know how you could ever come down, how you could ever distill a right and wrong way of viewing the world, a right perspective. There's something illogical in it as well. Like, let's say, let's say there was one right perspective, one right way to view the world. Well, Because perspective requires like a a point in time, you have to be placed in a point in time to view something like you, 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 you automatically eliminate everyone from having that perspective, because they'd have to be all standing at the same point in time at the same time, you know, what I mean, you get what I'm saying, right? I know it's a little out there. But it's impossible for everybody to share the same perspective, because it's also intrinsically tied to time and space perspective is tied to time and space. At least as it relates to the ego. Let's go back to the ego. I like talking about the ego. If you couldn't tell. <laughs> Definitely going to be just kind of playing with ideas today, guys. I, I know the last couple of episodes, uh, you know, like I said before, I don't like to get preachy, and I feel like in the last couple episodes I've gotten a little preachy. I didn't mean to, you know what I mean? Like, I I really am not trying to make, like, a self-help book here, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm i trying to just play with ideas, and sometimes when I get on a certain idea that I think is correct, I'll kind of, like, preach it as if it's something that people need to implement in their lives, and I would like you to implement it in your life, but I'm also not trying to do that with this podcast. Like, that's not the purpose of it is to, is to fix other people. The purpose of it is to fix myself, <laughs> you know what I mean? and I would hope that if you're listening to this podcast, that's how you're treating it as well. Not as a means of like incorporating somebody else's perspective, but in a means of like finding your own. Right. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's maybe that's why I'm talking about perspective today. Who knows? Right. Um, I was actually listening to I watch, uh, you know, I try to watch a lot of variety of of media sources, you know, I watch the traditional news, not as much as I used to, I used to be addicted to like CNN and MSNBC and all those like I used literally I'd watch it all day uh, for like two or three years, like I was up to date on every single thing, politically, at least. (laughs) Right. Um, I don't really do that anymore. What I try to do now more so than anything else is to try to get a variety of perspectives through a variety of different sources. And the sources that I'm starting to rely on more so than others are, um, uh, let's say, the smaller perspectives, the perspectives that are now made more popular. They're not even small anymore. They're the, the, the YouTube perspectives, right? These different like alternative new media sources, podcasts, you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> engaging with those different sources gives you a, a, a much broader it gives you a a broader selection of, of information to incorporate into your image or your perspective of the world and current events, right? And it's more accurate because of that, too. It's never going to be perfect. Like I said, it's never going to be the right perspective, but it'll be more accurate if you use the most amount, if you bring in the most variety of data possible, right? Um but one thing I find interesting is even in the new media sources, so for instance, one of the people that I watch for the more conservative perspective is Steven Crowder. Um, I watch his, you know, the Crowder thing on YouTube or or whatever it is. And, um, you know, there's some things that I really agree with Steven on. You know, like there's there's some things that I'm like, hell yeah, man, preach. Uh, and then there's some other times that, that I get not oh, – I almost said offended. Oh, my God. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't get offended. I mean, like I, I get angry at him. And it's because um, – He's an example. Even the smaller organizations have the same problem going on. It's not just within CNN and MSNBC, Fox News and all these, where they have this kind of like um, perspective problem where there's one perspective that dominates and then that's what gets pushed as a news story. What's happening, it's not just a product of big organizations. It's a product of people and ego itself. And the reason I bring up Steven Crowder is like, even though I think the man's brilliant, I've never seen anybody with a bigger ego than that guy ever. I, even including like Trump, <laughs> Steven Crowder has a big, massive ego problem that I think he needs to check if he wants to move and I'm not gonna actually that's not that's not right. I shouldn't tell somebody what they need to do I'm, not, I'm gonna take that back if you'll allow me. But I would say that that I, I believe that that man has an ego problem, and I don't think it lends his show credibility. what what lends a show credibility is when they have an ability to describe and interact with the opposite perspective when i don't know if you've ever seen it happen on tv but if you can find if you've ever seen this happen in like regular life where people are just having an argument let's say and somebody says something that the other person can't refute and they actually accept it instead of just saying blah, 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 i'm done no 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 or attacking or going on the defensive or whatever somebody somebody brings up a point that they can't refute and somebody actually says you know what i'm going to incorporate that cuz i can't figure out a better a better way to describe what you just said i'm going to incorporate it into my into my perspective. And if there's something there that that clashes against that, I'm going to I'm going to move it around. I'm going to maybe start analyzing that piece of my perspective and see how accurate it is. You know what I mean? How often do you see that happen? I could probably count on my hands how many times I've seen people do that throughout my life. No kidding. I'm sure you're probably saying something similar. It's a profound problem. Because it's a problem you can never show other people. You can never show everyone or one person every perspective, which is the only way that you could get an accurate conceptualization of what the world is and what the the, the most correct perspective is is a is a conglomerate of all of everybody's. <laughs> you know what I mean? What you know? We haven't talked about spiritual stuff as as much. Um, one of the things that I find interesting was it, uh, yeah, it was Alan Watts. Alan Watts talks about this, and I've, I think I brought this up before, but I love this description of what we are. Because it kind of lines nicely with perspective, I think. Um, the way that Alan Watts, one of the ways that Alan Watts describes or described the universe and human beings Life itself. The way that he described life itself was as as the universe trying to look at itself. Like chill on that for a second. You know that that the reason that there are these these beings that have all these these it just almost limitless amounts of things, beings running around on the Earth, at least. With all varied perspectives. Even even like animals have different perspectives, right? They're different they're a different thing than we are. All of these varied perspectives. What is that? Why is that a thing? And then the best way that Alan Watts described it that I've heard is it's the universe looking at itself. You are a point where that through which the universe looks at itself and engages with itself. And that each individual person, each individual life form is in 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 some sense. An eye into the world. The part of, part of what Alan, I think, at least my understanding of what he talks about is that we are all the same thing. That universe. That that is us. That is you. That is the, the cat down the street. You know? You are the universe looking at itself. You are you looking at you. and so are is everybody else which is why i've said before that you aren't any different you're not you're not something else you're not other than other people you know you're at, you're not other than the world itself you come out of the world i think the reason i'm bringing a perspective today as I in my life as I have encountered many times, where I have failed to recognize this 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 fact that my perspective is fallible, and that I often view things in in, in some in, in a zero sum way, almost like in, in 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 a right or not right, and <clears throat> it's not only har- harmful to your ability to operate in the world, if if you can, if you go through life, you know, thinking that you're the only perspective that matters, um, it's not only harmful to you, but it's harmful to the world as well, because partially what moves us forward is our ability to engage with other perspectives. It's a conglomerate of those perspectives working together, taking in the most amount of data possible to try to come up with the best solution, you know, because no one person is enough, right? We've said that before too. No one person's enough. You're not enough by yourself. The most telltale sign of an evil person is them thinking they are, you know, you tell yourself you're enough to fix the world, you're maniacal, you're going to hurt a lot of people, you know what I mean? Now, one of the things that I've seen, it's, 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 I I see a lot of positive and a lot of negative coming out of the coronavirus times because, you know, uh, I see a lot of people wanting to help, Right? businesses and things like that. It's so one of the frustrating things we haven't talked about and Crowder brought this up in one of his episodes that you know why aren't why isn't the media talking about all of the small businesses and big businesses that are helping, you know, banding together to to produce the the, the services and the goods that we need during a time of crisis, you know. It's so, you know, it's it's kind of an a uh, Similar to what happened in World War II when all these, you know, GM and all these other companies, you know, switched up their manufacturing lines to make, you know, bombers and, and tanks and those kind of things. Similar to that, not as extreme, right? But but I do find it problematic that we're not, you know, focusing on that a little more, uh, at least saying, uh, touting that as a positive of our economic system. Not only of our economic system, but a positive product of capitalism itself, that there are certain times where... Um, <clears throat> economic benefit and moral necessity align (laughs) and uh when that happens capitalism is a pretty beautiful thing you know what i mean but it doesn't happen all the time right (laughs) almost never actually Uh, anyway um the, the but yeah anyway we can get down we've already gotten down that rabbit hole before i think um But I do think that we should be focusing a little bit more on the positive aspects of that, you know the the ability of this economic system that we have produced to uh, to pull us through hard times to sustain us when um, when the world starts to crumble a little bit. you know, and I, I do think that we need to maybe maybe watch that a little closer and be a little less critical of things during this time, you know. Uh, more so, like watching what happened, what works and what doesn't, and trying to adjust our world after the fact based on that, so that when this happens again, whenever it does, because it will, maybe not now, like, maybe not for another 100 years, who knows, but when it does happen again, we, I don't know, I I guess I was going to say are more prepared, but again, it's like, it's not like we were that unprepared this time, I don't think. That's one of the things I've been noticing, and I'm sure you're starting to notice it too, but uh, I don't think this thing... You know, I want to, you know, I want to qualify this because I know there's a lot of people that have lost people already to this disease. I'm not trying to say that the disease or the the virus isn't bad. You know, I mean, I I know people that are very sick from this uh, and, you know, I'm, you know, just like everybody else, scared that those people, you know, could get sicker. At the same time, I do not like the way we reacted to this. it brought up all it, it it's kind of like during a time of crisis you expect people to kind of um, some of the political games and stuff to kind of slow down you know what I mean that's what you'd expect a banding together it's one of the things that kind of uh, I remember about 9-11 that I don't remember as much I, I don't I don't see happening right now as much maybe a little bit there is this kind of political easing that happened after 9-11 because we had a shared enemy <clears throat> again, right? Like up until that point, we had no major wars going on. I think we had Bosnia, things like that, but it was smaller engagements, right? And I think because of that, the American people didn't have to worry about, you know, outside forces. And because and, and so when people don't have to worry about outside forces, they they find inside forces to worry about, enemies within, Right, and 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 you start worrying more about the enemy within than the enemy without, right? Uh, until something happens that reminds you that there's enemies without. And so, by giving you another thing to focus on, it bands everybody together, right? You know, uh, it's an outside threat thing, right? you'd expect a similar kind of thing to happen when you have like a global pan, even more so because it's a, it's a human problem. It's not even like, it's like the thing that should supersede tribalism. It's like the thing that should overcome our tribal instinct is when there is an outside threat that's bigger than any single human or country or society or anything like that. It's, it's a, it's literally an existential threat that should ban us together. What you see happening instead is like, I think, like, virtue signaling. At least politically, what you see is both parties scrambling to make the right decisions so that they can finally be vindicated as the right side. The madness within the political game that goes on in the United States is—is, if you exist within it for longer than thirty seconds, it makes you want to vomit because it's—it's so illogical. I've literally seen news stations come out with one story saying one thing about the virus, then literally a day later saying one, the exact opposite thing about the virus, you know, I, I, on and on and on and on. I'm sure you've seen this happen too. I, I, I you know, and I think in one thing, I am I'm, I'm maybe tying a bunch of different issues together here. We have a political problem in the United States. Obviously it's tribal. At a basic level, it's a tribal problem. We have another big problem though, and it's a dying media conglomerate, organiza- a, a dying media industry. That is that in its death throes is is throwing out propaganda left and right to try to win back viewership. And it's making a world in which it is impossible to glean actual like the, and glean real insight because the information you're being given in a lot of times is intentionally false, I think. Not because uh, it, it, there's a desire to spread misinformation. It's a desire to win people over to a side. It's a tribal problem, like I said. And so it's devolved so much so that even during a global pandemic we are only playing those games politically right we're still playing those games It's one of the reasons why do you think there was a there was such a a like quick reaction you know initially to like I, there, there's this, it's so funny to watch and I'm just going to use this as an example because it's been the most obvious for me. Again, like I'm not trying to take sides on this. Um, but to watch kind of the reaction that's come out of the media, you know, in the last two months, because initially it was kind of like, you know, uh, when Trump first did the China ban, I don't know if you remember that when he banned travel from China in like January or something like that. Every news organization called it racist and like was calling him racist for banning travel from China and all that kind of stuff, saying it was over the top that you're just doing this because you want to keep people from coming to the United States. He doesn't like Asian people or something like that. Right. Well, then a month later, you literally have like every major democratic state announcing a lockdown. Right. What happened? Were you playing a game of political game before or after? Right, because one of those doesn't add, that doesn't add up. And I think that's what's par- partially happening right now. Is there's so much flip-flopping going on by the media organizations that it's actually in a weird way showing you how unfounded the political parties' ideals are. Period. That the parties themselves aren't based on on ideals anymore. They were at one point, but they're not anymore. What they've become is effectively. They're war parties. Built for the express purpose of eliminating the opposite party. It's the only thing that they do well anymore. And they actually don't even do that well. Most of their actions serve to only propagate the opposite perspective more. (laughs) You know what I mean? So we're in this weird time where... The death throes of one industry, I think, is illustrating the problems within another. And I say industry isn't the right way to describe our political system, right? The death throes of one system is identifying or showing the problems intrinsic within another. Because I'm telling you right now, folks, if we don't fix whatever's going on politically in this country, it doesn't matter if it's a coronavirus or what. You know, we won't be able to stand... Forever, we got to figure this problem out. This political problem is not getting better. Got to figure it out because there's way too many bad actors in the world, as from the way it looks right now. China looks like a really, really bad actor right now. One that may have essentially killed like thousands of people because of their inaction and their intentional withholding of information from people and straight up lying. There's been reports coming out of China that they have been doing some really wicked shit to people. Like, people that are whistleblowers and stuff, disappearing, that kind of stuff, right? You haven't heard anything out of Russia in, like, three months, right? You haven't heard nothing, not a peep. You have no idea how they're doing, right? That scares the living shit out of me. Because those two countries right there, China and Russia, they have a shared interest. I think their shared interest is in seeing their shared competition go away. I often wonder if... the coronavirus could have been, right, intentionally released... precisely to... precipitate an economic collapse. I talked about this in the last episode. I do worry that there is political aspirations behind what is going on right now. And that while we are sitting here fighting amongst ourselves watching our media con- conglomerates die. We have two countries out there that do not have the same, do not have to operate under the same moral imperative. Because our systems don't require. It. If those two countries ever look at us, uh, View this for what it is—a weak point. We're in some serious trouble. Anyway, that's probably a long ways off. I'm just saying, I I don't like I don't like that this this perspective problem is actually tearing us apart as a country internally. And even though, yes, people have have kind of you know the, the system paused, and. You know, people are kind of getting friendly and becoming human again for the two months that the system paused. But you turn that machine back on and people are going to go right back to the same thing if you don't fix the machine that was the problem. Do you know what I mean? And that's the machine, it's the people that are the problem. <laughs> it's not the machine. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to fix the people. You got to fix the egos. You got to fix the perspectives running around, the ego, ego problems running around here. Right? How much time am I in? I've, I've, I've talked for a long time, I feel like not what we got here dang 32 and a half minutes but anyway i hope you enjoyed this talk up until this point i i did i i just wanted to play with the idea of perspective a little more hopefully we got something useful out of it but i really hope that that through this time as we move forward, it looks like we're in the worst week of it right now, the peak week of this coronavirus pandemic, at least in the United States. It should be starting to come down the next couple of weeks. And hopefully we all get back to some, some, you know, slice of normal, right? But with that, I think as we return to some slice of normal, we need to kind of take with, take with it, like everything that caused this panic, everything that caused, and everything that happened after the fact all the good all the negative and try to incorporate more of the good and leave behind some of the negative let some of that deadwood burn off the deadwood deadwood within our society this tribalism that exists within the political system itself is a is a product of tribalism that exists within the human condition itself you know I'm gonna is the ego and a survival instinct Like, if you take the the premise I've been presenting all of these episodes, right? That you are not your ego. That you're something deeper, something more long-lasting. Then, accepting, you know, all the other scientific theories that have come before, you know, evolution itself, how would something like the ego evolve? Because it's obviously a real thing. How would that evolve? Why would it evolve? Obviously, for some purpose it's obviously beneficial to survival in some way is the ego the outward manifestation of the unbridled survival instinct the outward and inward manifestation of the unbridled survival instinct the thing that tells you move the thing that tells you keep going The rat race itself, I think, preys on the survival instinct. You can't stop, you'll die, right? Don't stop, you'll die. Well, what happened over the last two months? It stopped. (laughs) That's why I think people are so freaked out, and that's also why I don't think this is going to go back to normal so quickly. In order for the, the machine to work, it requires that people keep moving. It requires people to think that their survival is intrinsically tied to work. But if all of this stops for two months even though people know that they're probably going to have to go back to work at some point it shows you that if everything stops (gasps) you're still here. It shows you that the things that you think you've come to need you don't need. There's very, very, very little in the world that you actually need. What do you need? There are some basic things can deny, one of those being food, one of those being water, and I think one of those being another perspective. I don't think you can survive without another perspective to bounce yours off of talked about and that in a really beautiful way the machine stopping for two months has showed us it brought us closer to our true needs you know left to your own devices with nothing else to control and seize your time what do you do you go walk with people you talk to people. You could play with their perspective a little bit. Let's hold on to that when this machine turns back on. All right. And with that, I'm going to leave it there, guys. That's the Unfounded Podcast signing off. I hope you enjoyed everything, and I will talk to you soon. Bye bye.